Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You can follow me at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206. And that's C-Kidd-206. There's actual football going on that I've been watching for the past like week, and it doesn't feel like 2020 anymore. Because 2020 feel like a horror show. It really did. It was really, really bad. It was just awful. But, like, I can leave my crib watching an NBA playoff game and then go to the VMAC, and then, boom, there's a there's a training camp, live football. It's very – oh, I got to get a COVID test in between all that. I've been tested for COVID, Chris, uh, 10 times in the last two months. And I bet it still feels brand new each time. It hasn't gotten old. Uh, it, I don't know if it's it, – it, it's definitely a – you don't get used to it. You don't get used to it. Have you had a COVID test? We're going to plead the fifth here. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, no, 10 of them. 10 of them. Shows how much I love you guys. Uh, and I have to get, by the time you guys listening to this, I'm probably getting another one <laughs> as we as we speak. COVID test number 11. But it is really good to see some football. And I love posing these questions and talking about camp. Especially, I, I love when people ask me stuff about camp and I can have like some debates or just kind of give them, like my open thoughts uh, about what I'm seeing one of the first things I've been thinking about at camp besides Jamal we'll get to Jamal Adams in a second Chris because Jamal Adams is he deserves a lot of our time is their first round pick Jordan Brooks because I, I don't know if I've said it on the show before I'm pretty sure I've I've written it I really oh yeah no we did talk about it about and, two I, weeks and ago. I've seen it actually too come to life I didn't think that they would give him as many first-team reps as they are giving him because I'm going to spill the beans. They're giving him a lot. Like, even with KJ healthy and fine like he is, Jordan, a healthy Jordan, he's not right now. I think he's got, like, a growing thing. But, like, he's getting the first-team reps in 11-on-11, 7-on-7. They are letting him run right next to Bobby and figure it out. And it's – I didn't think that would happen because I know we talked here about how he's just not in a good place to succeed. I don't think just because KJ is such a vet and has that good rapport with with, uh, Ken Norton and and knows the system and and all that good stuff. Uh, But that part is kind of interesting because it really makes it look like an open competition, like legit open, not, you know, how can I put this? What's a a competition that they've had lately? Like, ah, it's open, but it's really not. Um, Oh, like last year when they drafted Cody. Right, middle linebacker, you got Bobby. Uh, Bobby hadn't signed a deal yet, uh, so it's like, oh, you know, open competition. No, it's not. Bobby's your middle linebacker, and there's no real debate about that. Or even like an LJ Collier coming in, like he was coming in, wasn't right there with the starters. It was uh, Jay Reed, Puna, I think Rasheem? Can't remember the top of my head, because they didn't have Ziggy yet, and they hadn't traded for Clowney yet. But, like, that was very clear, like, those dudes, like, Cody or, like, LJ, like, there was not no legit comp. Oh, you know what? Another one was Rashad versus Chris and Rashad Penny's rookie year. It was very clear Chris Carson was the best dude, right? Like, there wasn't really an open competition necessarily. This one, actually, and I bet I, I love to talk to KJ about this. Maybe we'll get him on Zoom. It legit is like, hey, this guy can battle for your spot right now. Well, yeah, I mean, we... We talked about, hey, we don't know if the Seahawks made the right move in drafting a guy in the first round who we believe in KJ. He's going to be the starter. But the Seahawks are of the notion, we're going to give him a shot at the, at the bare minimum. He's going to get an opportunity to get these reps. Unfortunately, there's no preseason. He's not going to get the reps against other teams. But if right. he's out there doing well against the Seahawks, that says a lot about his game and what he can bring. And if he's faster and even same intellect as KJ, he might win the job based off that alone, being just as intelligent and being faster and being more youthful. But he does have to beat KJ out. And KJ is not going to back down for a challenge. No, KJ's, no, not at all. KJ's probably of the mindset, I'm starting regardless of how this kid plays because he's been there for 11 seasons and he's no, he knows the defense in and out. And that is a huge advantage for KJ. But for Jordan to be getting these first-round reps, I mean, you, I mean, how do you think he's looking in these reps? I mean, of course they're not – tackling each other but what are you seeing that says okay I, I get it so i haven't seen anything to say i get it yet okay and that's and that's that's tough uh i don't think i've seen that with any of the rookies yet to be like yo i, I see what the what what the deal is with any of them shoot half of them are hurt daryl taylor's hurt colby parkinson's hurt freddie swain's hurt uh jordan brooks hasn't practiced in pads this <laughs> is just a lot uh a lot of injuries there with those guys but I mean, the speed obviously shows up. 
Um, there's that. He's got very nice thighs. Like he just do the short shorts and the, the whole thing just it works. He never skips leg day. So there there is that. But the fact that it is like legit open, open, and, and I, if I was KJ, I would wouldn't look at it as like I'm starting no matter what. Like I would look at it as like if I don't play well, I'm well getting, that's the mindset. I'm getting traded that. to Buffalo or something <laughs> like that. Well, Buffalo's defense is good, but you know you get the yeah. you get the point. I didn't think they would do that. I'm not really even sure how great. I just don't know. And I pose this question to Chris. I'm gonna pose it to you. See what you think here. I asked people. I said, "Hey, how good does Jordan have to be to beat?" KJ out without preseason games like is that even possible I would say it's not possible just because he who's he going up against you're going up against the Seahawks offense they're not the best offense in the league uh, I mean, they're like that should be like a top six ish these are things the coach are going to have to deal with and I would say no it's there's no way he's starting week one unless KJ goes down right that's the only legitimate reason I see him getting playing starting the season with him unless he wows them in practice meaning he's calling out assignments when maybe bobby should be and like he's yeah. stepping on his toes like oh i know what i'm doing too and he's where he he's where he needs to be on each play and you don't even have to talk to jordan after practice you're just like good job today jordan you you knew everything was coming you know the plays and he does that consistently up until the first game either that or kj gets injured those are the only two ways i see him beating him that means he's outsmarting kj outsmarting kj and he's just proven to be a better player Unfortunately, I don't know if that's even possible without preseason. But, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, if he's doing it enough in practice where they're like, damn, this kid is a stud. Like, we can't just keep him on the bench. Wow, man, that's that's tough. Because here's the other thing about the, pre- with the preseason, right? So, in practice, you're trying to uh, – you do a lot of, like – I know football people who practice play football, you do a lot of install. Like, you're trying to just, like, install these concepts and ideas and schemes so that, like, when we say – we get on the field and we know we just Bobby starts yelling banana. Everyone knows what banana is against this look and such and such and stuff like that. So you really don't have a lot of time to get like the full playbook down, whether in preseason or camp. And that's imp- and then even when you do play a preseason game, a lot of the offensive coordinators are using that time to just ease people in on the other team. I mean, so let's say they play at the Texans or something like that. The Texans aren't going to throw everything out that they got against the Seahawks. They're going to keep it real vanilla, not show their hand too much, just keep it real simple. So, like, even if you got this stuff down, if you're Jordan, you have all of this thing, these things down, like, all right, we're doing this in practice, I got this. Man, that first game, they're playing the Falcons, mm-hmm. it might get so exotic and they might do some looks you've never seen yeah. and you get to motion in and getting confused. But that's when you got to get on your iPad and you got to study it. You got to be ready for they run this 14% of the time. You should know it, right? In That's, theory, yes. You should know it. In theory, yes. But another yes. thing that came to mind is we we mentioned the fact of nickel and how the Seahawks would attack that and who would they bring out. Would Trey still be starting? Oh, he'll come in with the nickel defense. We'll flip it up that way, Fli- fix it that way. Another idea would be in nickel, you want more speed. If Jordan Brooks proves that he can be out there during nickel, he's a third down linebacker, and the Seahawks might go that direction, especially if they're you know, be mixing things up with now Jamal Adams, who brings a dynamic to the team that they haven't had in quite some time. How so? What do you mean by a third line? Like a fourth linebacker? A third linebacker? Just three? Bring up, yeah. Like, if because you, you know how the Seahawks stayed in 4-3 and yeah. they didn't want to get out of that at all? Maybe they instead stay in 4-3. Not nickel, they go to 4-3, but instead of keeping KJ out there, they bring in someone faster in Jordan. Not to say that KJ didn't do well because he put up arguably his best season last year with what he was doing on the football field and pass coverage. But that could be an option the Seahawks are actually looking at and saying, yeah, maybe we can test that out and get Jordan out there on if we're going to stick in the 4-3. Or if they do go to a nickel and they do want to add speed, they can potentially bring out Jordan as well. Those are two options as well, and maybe they're subbing these guys a lot more often. I, I find it t- – that's the thing about – the back seven guys. It's not a lot of subbing going on back there with your DBs and your linebackers. Your front your front guys, yeah, you get to shift in. So, like, right now, I think the starters are Bobby, KJ, Bruce, uh, Shaq, uh, Quandre, Jamal, Trey, right? Because we haven't seen Dunbar yet because um, he must be still learning the plays, I guess. I don't know. So, those are your back seven. Then your front guys are Sheem, uh, Benson, uh, who else? Uh, Jay Reed, Puna. When they go in a nickel, you're looking at, like, okay, pull Puna out and put in LJ. Right? I was going to say put that. In, put in LJ. So you're looking at Benson, J. Reed, LJ, and maybe Rasheem or maybe, like, Shaquem. Or Do some speed rushing. Yeah, or they, yeah, probably, like, Shaquem. So, and then you bring in um, 
take Bruce out and you bring in um, Marquise Blair. Right, like that's kind of how things are looking right now. So I don't even know where Jordan fits in. But that's, that I think that's the flexibility the Seahawks are looking. We don't know where this guy fits in, but you know he's talented, if that makes sense. We believe in this guy that much that there are pieces we just have to figure out how to plug him in. He is that piece of the puzzle that can make it all work, or he's literally just going to redshirt, which you're not a fan of that anyway. I think that's just inevitable. I, I really just think it is. I, I agree. I think that that's probably what's going to happen. But the good news is he's getting the reps now. That way next season – if everything goes as planned and they're thinking Kate is going to, you know, hang him up next year, whatever the case may be, Jordan plugs right in. It's almost a dynamic of, oh, we're going to draft this quarterback, let him sit a whole year, learn the offense, he'll get reps in practice, whoop-de-whoop, oh, come next season. Yeah, like the like a Mahomes type of situation. Literally yeah. the same thing. Yeah, or, or I guess that was probably the plan with uh, Lamar Jackson too. Just but get but Joe got hurt. Yeah, just yeah. get him acclimated, understand the system, and go from there. Because Mahomes, he was a first-round pick as well. Coach Reed was thinking, you know, I think this is it for Alex. Last year, oh, Mahomes, Super Bowl champion two years later. I'm not saying that's he's going to be Super Bowl, Super Bowl bound with Jordan Brooks. But yeah, it's I a think little the, different with I a, a linebacker. I think the idea is to just groom him. And then you have Bobby, a really good second-year player in Jordan Brooks, and that third linebacker spot is open. Yeah, that it, that's that could be the plan. Then I'd have to really critique them for – Using, because I think I said this on the show too. I only think there's so many positions that are worth a first round pick. Yeah, you mentioned and the quarterback. If, yeah, quarterback, corner, receiver, defensive line, defensive end specifically. Uh, this is outside of like top six or seven. So outside of that, the last like 24 picks or whatever. If you're not taking a corner, receiver, left tackle, um, receiver or quarterback, maybe I said that already. But th- I really think that's. That's it for the most part. I don't think you're you're using your pick uh, wisely at all. Trade back, give more picks. So then in that scenario you just said, which could be their thinking, you have to hit a weak side linebacker with your first pick. I don't like that. Uh, I just don't think that's good positional. You're honestly better off taking a running back maybe at that spot, to be honest, because um, then you actually can rotate guys and have a squad. Take another receiver. Shoot. Could never have enough receivers. Yeah, <laughs> man. I just, you know, so I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that as the plan either. Though you're right, that could be the plan. Yeah, but I, then I would have problems with that this too. This is my best forecast of what they're trying to do. Bottom line is, for move on to the next thing, I'm trying to find ways to wrap my head around this Jordan Brooks, how Jordan Brooks can make an impact in year one, and I'm just having a hard time seeing it without just like. Because I don't think KJ sucks, right? So it's just KJ's like, one of the best. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, if I had to rank the team's defensive players, I'd probably put KJ at, like, three or four, three or four right? <laughs> like, so, so I don't – it's tough. I, I, it's a weird situation. Again, I st- as seeing Jordan, I see some flashes of things, but I haven't seen anything yet. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, he should definitely – like, with DK last year, it was like, oh, no, no, he – We know something's going to happen. He's ready. <laughs> or even Shaq. Shaq's first year. Uh, Shaquille, not Shaquem. Sha- Shaquille's first year, I was like, oh, no, that kid – there's something there. I see it. So maybe we want to see the pads more. It's just unfortunate that preseason yeah. has been let go and you don't have an opportunity to see him against other rookies or against starting units because I'm sure he would get some he gets some he would get snaps against starting teams and you would see, oh yeah, that's yeah. why the Seahawks went after him. Or okay, he's not really getting it, but you get to see it. Unfortunately, we don't get to see that. I wanna move on to something else, but real quick, you know who I do see like, oh yeah, no, he's he he. It sucks. He's not gonna play this year because he looks ready as Cody Barton. I like I like watching Cody. Cody's a beast. He ain't no sucker either. Like that's just an important trait I think, especially if you're gonna play defense. You just can't be no sucker. Like yeah, yeah. I just want you out there, just like letting people know, like, hey, I'm here. Yep, I'm here. I'm you here. run the ball my way. You won't minutes. do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm here all day, every day. Bring it. I'll be here in the next play too because I already know you're coming my way. <laughs> that's Cody. That's Cody. dope. He's very colorful in that in that way. I like I like watching him. Uh, but I pose this other question. On on uh, on Twitter as well, and it got me thinking about it. Watching the O line, because you can't really watch a ton of what's going on, um, because they don't have pads for the first couple of days. But here's my thing with the O line. I'm gonna ask you this question, Chris. Last year's starters, let's say their best five was what Dwayne, Mike, Ayupati, that is Justin Britt, uh, DJ Fluker, Jermaine Effetti. Right. This year, I'm going to assume that it's going to be Dwayne, Mike. B.J. Finney or Ethan Posick, honestly. Pick whoever you want to be center. And you're going to go with rookie Demian Lewis at LSU and then Brandon Shell, right tackle okay. they got, you know, who basically got cut by the Jets. Or not cut, they just let him walk. 
Is that a better offensive line than a 2019 offensive line? I can't say that is just based on the fact that we're bringing in Brandon Show, who you mentioned was cut by the Jets. Not cut. Excuse me. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. He he walked. He found a new team. He left in free Just like Jermaine Fetty did. Yeah. Same Same thing. thing, Yeah. Then you have the center position. They ended up cutting Joey Hunt, not signing, not bringing him back, letting him walk. The good news is they can potentially still bring him back, but the center position. And that right tackle position is kind of where I'm like, I don't know if I trust what's out, what's what the Seahawks have available. Is Brandon really gonna? Is Brandon really that much better than Jermaine Effetti? And I I harp on this a lot, and I've said it on multiple podcasts. Jermaine got better. It's not as if he was the same player we saw when he first started out. Yeah, he struggled. He had most penalties on the team, but each year he got better. Last year was, I think, his best season. And I thought the Seahawks would be smart to just, you know, try to come to a conclusion and figure out money and keep him because I figured he was going to have another positive impact this season. Unfortunately, they didn't come to that conclusion, and he's now he's elsewhere. He's with the Bears, yeah. Playing guard, I believe, on, like, the cheapest deal ever. I think the Seahawks could have worked it out. And now we're going to see if this Brandon Shell guy is really capable of even protecting Russ to that magnitude. This is a new face, new town, new system. A lot of running. Is he going to be physical enough to get downfield and, and create lanes for Chris Carson? Is he going to be able to protect Russ? And then you look at B.J. Finney. Don't really know much about him. He was with the Steelers. He was kind of like their utility guy. Played a lot of spots. I actually like that signing. But, I mean, I'm not going to pretend I know a bunch about backup center from Pittsburgh. Right? That's <laughs> just, I'm not going to like Not to mention, you said that. what? He was the backup center. And now he is probably in the forefront to start unless, of course, Ethan Posick drops down and plays center. I mean, these are questions – that are looming, and I I can't definitively say this O line is a better is better than what is last year. Yeah, that's so. There's uh, when I when I pose this question online, I got basically I'm gonna group the responses into three three sections. Section one is optimistic, very optimistic group of people who were like, BJ's better than Justin and Joey. Um, wow. Um, Damian is better than DJ Fluker. And anybody who's not Jermaine Fetty is an upgrade, right? That was like section. It was, that was probably the most popular. I don't like doing polls. I like actually reading people's responses. So I don't really do those. But that was probably the most that I got. Section two was more like pessimistic. Like um, this Brandon Shell dude, we have no idea. Um, BJ was mostly a backup in Pittsburgh. And our other guy's a rookie with no offseason. Um, and then also... Mike Aipati, we don't know if he'll stay healthy for a full 16 games, and then Dwayne is another year older. Um, that's kind of really the pessimistic side. I didn't get a ton of those, but I feel there was. And then like there was like section three where it was like they want to be optimistic because they don't, you know, pessimism isn't fun, but they understand like, hey, these guys don't even really know each other. They didn't have an off season. We don't know much about Damian, you know, to say he's better than DJ Fluker. We just know he's cheaper. Um and there's too many variables, kind of what you were just saying. There's like that section, section three. I'm somewhere, hmm, I'm somewhere probably around like between two and three. I'm in the middle somewhere. I can't go all the way just because we don't know. We With O-line play, we rely so much on what other people tell us, right? And it's very rare that aside from pro football focus, people tell us that O-lineman is not good. I had someone like a lot of people tweet me. It's like, oh, Pete, Pete keeps talking great about Shell and and Damian Lewis, so they're good. And I was like, what? No. <laughs> In what world are we trusting Pete at face value for anything? No, tr- seriously, on anything. This is the time of year when Pete hypes up everyone, everyone except Alex Magoo, because he told us Alex Magoo wasn't good. That was mean, but he did it. Pete hypes up people who don't belong in the field every year. Every year. I, I don't want to go into too many specifics, but I feel like as much as people hate Tedrick Thompson, they should be very wary of Pete hyping up anyone. Because yeah. remember, Pete loved T2. Loved him. Love his game. He's, oh, he's, he's, he's a Ball hawk in practice. <laughs> all of these things. People hate that man. Right? Like, <laughs> I, they do. And that's just, there are plenty of examples. Now, there's people he's talked up that have turned out to be good, like Shaq or Chris Carson or DK. Like, he's he's talked some people up, but remember, he talked up Amara Darbo. Right? Like, he, he talks up guys all the time. If Pete tells me a dude's a stud, I don't just assume dude's a stud. I just know that Pete told me that. That's it. That's I don't assume anything further than that. And because of the no offseason, that's a very important part uh, for me, I think, and because of just the uncertainty and where these guys are coming from, 
It's like, man, Brandon Shell lost his job with the Jets, right? It's not that he just walked. First, he got benched, and then they said bounce, right? Or at least you can bounce. They kick him off the team. BJ, I, I'm willing to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, just like where he was at. Pittsburgh had a really good O-line, and it is hard to crack that O-line. Like, if you couldn't make the starting lineup at Pittsburgh, you can probably make the starting lineup in Seattle because Pittsburgh's O-lines are better than Seattle's. I would feel the same way if they got a guy who couldn't start at, like, uh, Green Bay or Dallas or something like that. Teams who have good Kansas City, the Rams of, like, 2018, teams that put out good units, if you couldn't crack that unit, I get it. It's like not even be able to start on the Warriors, right, like in the NBA. Like, of course, they got KD, they got Clay, they got Steph, they got Dre. Of course you can't start. But if I throw you on the Suns, <laughs> you're going to give me buckets, right? I get it. It's, just, it's, it's very similar. But if you couldn't start in Phoenix, then you're probably just a scrub, right? So it, it's, I give sh- I give BJ a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt than I do Brandon Shell, which I feel like for good reasons, to be honest. Also, when you're a right tackle, they're putting Von Miller's and Khalil Max across from you every every other play. So like if you if you were getting worked and getting benched, like I know why. Probably because you weren't protecting the quarterback very well, particularly. And then who's the other guy? Oh, the rookie. Oh, he's a rookie. That's just as far I, as you can go. Someone with tweeted it. me today. Was like, yeah, no, Brand, uh, Damian Lewis is definitely better than DJ Fluker. I was like, how in the world do you know that? <laughs> you don't. It's a it's a projection, and you want to be right. And when it, you're right, I told you so. Okay, you're. It's right. like based on what though? That's why I actually I, I asked him sincerely, like, how how did you get there? <laughs> I was like, how did you get to this rookie? You hasn't didn't you never even probably heard of them before the Seahawks took him. And yeah. it's just I don't give the Seahawks as a as a unit the benefit of the doubt when it comes to unlocking offensive linemen. Like even people like. DJ Fluker and Mike Ayupati and J.R. Sweezy, who they've like kind of plugged in lately, those guys were already good. Like it wasn't like there was some hidden talent. And we J.R. Sweezy was already solid. Um, DJ Fluker was solid in um, San Diego. He was solid. Before, where was he at before that? The Giants. He was solid with the Giants. He just got hurt a lot. Um, yeah, he w- he wasn't healthy. And then who? Else? Oh, Mike Ayupati. He's been mm-hmm. all pro for. Yeah. So. It's not like they unlocked some the, hidden gems. With the Cardinals, right? All pro? Niners. Niners. Okay, that's Niners. what it was. Yeah. So he had already been good. Like, it's not like in the in the cases of BJ and Brandon and Damian, you're asking me to give the Seahawks the benefit of the doubt on three dudes. It's like, ooh, I don't know if I can do that. Right? So I'm not as calm. I'm, I'm more skeptical than I am, like, openly just optimistic and that's as in part to do with where some of these guys came from and the other part of it was just like i don't trust the seahawks that much i just don't to trust them to develop o-line talent like when was the last time the seahawks drafted an o-lineman who was good his first year let's 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 let, should we should we pull up the draft reference i know hmm, walter jones but when was that that was no no i'm talking about this regime oh this regime well sorry. not just the whole i don't want to put them like up against history i think i got it can you can you pull that up Let's see here. Seahawks all-time draft history. Yep. Boom. It's in my browser. Do, 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 do. All right. Let's go with, so we got, I'm going to start from 2012. Or I guess we can count like guys like Russell Kuhn or whatever, or even like, even like Sweezy, uh, James Carpenter. So we've, we've got some guys in that range, right? 2013, no, no, no hell no. 2014, no. Justin Britt. Who was not good f- at first, uh, but figured it out. Uh, Mark Glowinski, no, although he's good now. Uh, mm. I think Jermaine Effetti is. Jermaine Effetti started year one at right guard, um, but again, no one liked that. <laughs> no, nope. everyone hated that. Um, George Fant, undrafted but started as a rookie, uh, was very bad at left tackle. So Ethan Postick, no. Um, let's see. Mm, Jamarco Jones, no, he didn't get a shot. He got hurt. Let's see. Phil Haynes never really got it, didn't really get a shot. Like, there's just nothing that tells me that, like, oh, I should trust the Seahawks that they drafted a guy. Pete says he's good, so he'll be good. It's not to say Damian Lewis can't, uh, excuse me, not to say that Damian Lewis can't ball out. It's just, like, I'm not willing to just, like, trust that because Pete says he will, and they drafted him high, that he'll ball out. These guys could be wrong as hell. Yep. <laughs> we have to acknowledge that possibility, too. And then in a year where there is no offseason and no preseason, it's just like, mm, I'm not sure. Plus, even if those guys work out, boy, let me tell you, Chris, you know I have practice. I've been there every day. The tackles have been getting worked. 
I've seen a few clips on. I've been watching the the Q13 broadcast on YouTube, and I'm like, oh, okay, Benson. I Yo, feel you, man. you out here? Yeah, you you look like you're about to have ten sacks this season. Yo, Benson looks like a he's moving at a different speed. I think I've talked about speed on this show before. Like I remember watching Shaquille his first year, DK his first year, um, Chris Carson his second year after he came off the broken leg. I just remember thinking that dude is moving at a different speed than everyone else, and that is what Benson Mayo is doing. Like, That's good to hear. Good to see. The flip side of that is the tackles all are getting worse. Like there was one today, and I don't know if maybe he let up, but like. Benson blew right past Dwayne Brown and would have killed Russ. Like it was, it looked effortless. There was like on Sunday, I think I wrote about this in my Monday musings. Benson Mayo was killing it, killing it on Sunday before they put the pads on, blowing by everybody. I don't know who number seventy-five is. He was getting worked. Um, I think that's Chad Wheeler. Uh, he was getting worked. Um, Correct. Bl- blown by seventy-four. I think that's a buoy. Like it, he was. Who, if you were playing tackle and you were crossing Benson, Benson was was working. Uh, Alton Robinson too was 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 looking good. Like I I was watching the tackles on like Sunday and Monday, and I think that's why I tweeted that this morning about the O line Tuesday morning. That is, I was like, man, is this O line better? Because I'm not really seeing it like like that. And I think the no it, the no off season part is showing up, and they're they're gonna be like limited in some things. And D line's always gonna have a step ahead, uh, just because their job is simple, just rush, right? No really no communication necessarily needed, at least not as much communication. But Benson. Bruce, too. You need, I mean, these are two guys that you sign that you want to be productive this season, especially with Clowney, which appears he's not coming back. No, 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 that's that's done. You need to, you need these two guys to have productive seasons, whether it be eight sacks each or if they can get double digits and both get ten. Or one of them get ten, one of them get six, seven. That's the production you need out of at least one of these guys, at least. You didn't bring him in here to get four sacks. We need, the Seahawks need an upgrade, and they need it fast. And they need production at that defensive line position because that's really going to take this team to the next level, which could mean Super Bowl or not if they have an, a pass rush that's capable of getting to the quarterback and putting pressure on these quarterbacks, whether it be Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, you name it. They're going to need pressure on these guys. And if Benson's balling out in practice, hopefully that translate. Yeah, it's still got to translate, yeah. To week yep. one of the first game for them. Yeah, and that's – and here's the thing about – I was talking to this with a managing editor, Steve Cohen, at, at The Athletic. I was like, it really is interesting how we've just kind of, we, and I'm included in this as, uh, with everyone else, we've kind of just been mostly dismissive of the idea of, like, the Seahawks did sign two guys who combined to have 15 and a half sacks last year. Now, and I understand why, because we don't necessarily, Bruce and Benson are necessarily, like, like DE1-type guys in our mind. That's just kind of how we've, and that's that's fair. They're not. To me, they're not. But they were productive. They were they were more productive than anyone else on the team, right? Last year, and I think they they didn't even get that many opportunities. I think uh, Benson stopped playing as much in the back half of the season with the Raiders. That's why his numbers actually went down. And then Bruce, his team stunk, so he didn't even get that many pass rush opportunities. I think I can see, I can see why we're kind of dismissive, but I think maybe we are being a little too harsh on them. Like these dudes can be productive. Right, they they will be like I think when they're out there putting lineups of like a speed rush package that's got Bruce at defensive end, Rasheem on the inside, Jay Reed next to him on the inside with Benson on the outside. I I trust that for some that with Jamal now in the back end, I trust them to get to the quarterback. I do, um, and I've I've seen it now. Where I think and I mentioned this to someone else online is that I think I want to know what you think about this, Chris. I think the D line is going to be fine against the bad and below average O-lines, right? Well, let's hope so. I mean... Well, they weren't last year. They they would face bad O-lines and still... The only destroyed. time they really <laughs> tore... To, ooh, I almost cussed on here. The only time they really tore... Niners. Really tore it up. Um, the Niners with Clowney, but uh, without Clowney. Let's, well, okay. Actually, let's factor in Clowney. Clowney, uh, the Bengals, I think Hugh Jeff had two sacks... And then, oh, Philly, the first Philly game, because Philly had, um, oh, poor Andre Dillard, go Cougs, but, oh, man. Rough day for him. Yeah, no, he got benched at halftime. Uh, and then I think their other, one of their starters, like, left the game with an anxiety attack. Uh, and Big left tackle. Brandon Brooks? No, it, was, it wasn't the left tackle. It was, what? uh. It was, I know you're. Is that their left tackle? That, yeah, Brandon Brooks. Is he? The, okay. Yeah. Well, no, him. I thought their guy was like, uh, what's the black dude name? 
Inter- inter- There's another guy. No, I, it's Brandon Lane. Brooks though. That that definitely had the. I don't know if it was a panic attack, but he yeah, definitely. he had like an anxiety attack and couldn't play. But their left tackle is like, isn't it like Lane Johnson or something like that? Uh, Brandon or, Brooks, I think that is him. Why do I think they're Jason Peters is their left tackle too? So actually. then he is. So then Brandon Brooks is the guard. Okay. Yeah. So the, the short version of the story is that they had they were playing against a very bad O line. Um, I think the Falcons O line isn't great, and I think Ziggy had a sack against them. Like there's. The, they're gonna be, I think, even better against those battle lines of the guy where there's like a starter missing or something like that. They're gonna have those good days. I think like where they will struggle is like probably against New England or Dallas. Dallas, although Dallas line is taking a little bit of a hit, but I bet you they're still better than above average for sure. Like Dallas is yeah O line. Uh, I can't think of also who else has good O lines that's on their schedule right now. But like I do think even like a, a, a Minnesota if they play Minnesota, I can't remember. Patriots um, O line's always solid. Got the schedule in front of you? Yeah, Patriots um, O line solid. Um, yeah, like a Minnesota, uh, the 49ers, uh, Buffalo. I think they're bringing back most of their starting line. So I, I think that like some of these lines that they're going to be playing, the good ones will will handle them. They're gonna get, they're gonna get they're gonna get beat up by those. There's gonna be like the days where they have registered like four pressures all game. But I do think they'll have the games against like the teams who aren't as solid, and hold their own. And when you have this secondary. That might be enough, right? That might be. Last year, it wasn't enough. Why? Because they were running T2 out there half the damn season, uh, and they were running uh, – who else wasn't good last year? No, mostly mostly just him. Um, so I think that was part of the issue. But if this foursome that they have now, whether it's Quentin or Trey, to be honest, with those guys, I think this D-line will be, like, serviceable. I think that's a good word. I don't think it'll be good. I necessarily don't think it'll be, like, 32nd or whatever pro football focus had. I think against some teams that are leaking a little bit, they'll be fine. But then against good teams, they're just going to get they get crushed, which is a little bit of an upgrade, I think. Because last year, I don't think they were capable of having a good – like they needed a lot of things to break right to have a good game other than Clowney going off. <laughs> like that was it. And they've kind of been like that for a little bit now. So we'll we'll, we'll see – We'll see if this is the spark they get they need in Benson Mayoa and Bruce Irvin. We'll see. Yeah, I think those are really two two really good productive cats. So yeah, we'll 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 see how it looks. I like I like their their front four right now though, with the help of the back end. I I do. I do. I don't think like I said, I don't think they'll be bad necessarily, but it'll be really matchup dependent. And but like I said, when you have an elite secondary, which should be good against everyone. All right, I know it's tough times for a lot of folks out there, but if you want to save a little bit of cash, $50 is more affordable than any other cable providers. With the NFL season around the corner, FUBU.TV will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to FUBU.TV backslash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's FUBU. Dot TV backslash athletics. Start your first month today. I think it's like enough to get you to the promised land. I like where I took that. That took me a while, but I got there. Now you got there. I got there. Uh, can we talk about Jamal Adams real quick? I think we have to. I mean, my Just man did something pretty cool. His first when so I, on the first play. So I'm gonna set know? the scene here. This is gonna be like some hard knock stuff, right? So. Da-da-da-da-da. The defense lines up first. Actually, I'm not going to talk like that guy. But so it's the first day of 11 on 11. Or excuse me, first day of, full of pads. They don't have full pads. They don't have a. The shoulder pads and helmet? Yes. They don't have. Um, thigh pads. The thigh pads and stuff like that. But they are padded up, right? First go. It's like 20 minutes into practice. It's Monday. Everyone's like, it's, it's you know it's like game time and everyone's like bumping helmets and slapping hands and talking amongst themselves and, and stuff like that. And I can hear, I can hear to someone in the secondary, I'm going to give me one, I'm going to give me one, I'm going to give me one. I'm like, I can't tell who it is necessarily, uh, but I can hear it. I'm like, okay, here we go. They're starting in the red zone, I think maybe like the 15-yard line or something like that. I, I can't remember. It's definitely in the red zone, though. I'm like, cool, this is great. Ones versus ones. Let's do it. Boom. Uh, very first play. Rustos it over the middle pick. <laughs> Guess who it is, guys? <laughs> it's Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams picked Russ on the first snap of the first session on the first day of pads. First play. And, I mean, obviously there's no tackling. Chris, he would have housed it. 
Mm. He would have. He did run and go score, and everyone's taught to do that because you're supposed to finish the play. But he broke left and hit the corner, and that was it. And it was uh, nope, done. He had the ball out here looking like Tia or prime time. He just uh, stretched out. Welcome to Seattle. Oh yeah, gone. Tyler Lockett did a good job chasing him all the way down to like the five yard line or something like that. Cause Tyler's fast, but nah, 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 nah. First play, hundred yard pick six. Like what? Remember the term "come get me"? Oh, what, what Earl? Oh yeah. Seahawks went and got him. Oh, my they goodness. They got Jamal Adams, and he is on day one of pads. He is showing why you go out and get him. Oh, my goodness. And then he's actually telling you, I'm going to get me one? I don't know if that was him. It, it I don't know his voice well enough yet. And, oh, okay. And then when they're all far away and they're yelling, I just knew it was coming from the secondary because all those guys are talking to each Did, other. No one asked him? No one um, asked? We're not allowed to talk to the players. Oh, yeah, it's beforehand. Zoom. Yeah, yep. so. And we always talk to him before practice, so, yeah, we can't ask That's stuff right. like that. Ooh, man, that boy snatched that ball out the sky. I don't even know who Russ was throwing it to. Maybe a tight end. I don't really care. doesn't matter. And that was <laughs> It took 20 minutes of practice, the first day of pads, for us to be like, yep, okay, that's why you trade two firsts for that dude right there. Like, we were all looking for it the first couple of days, and, yeah, he looked bouncy or whatever and was, like, fired up. No, first day of pads, pick six. I was like, oh, cool. Got you a superstar. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's one of the first pick sixes I've seen on Russ in camp. I know Shaquem picked Russ his rookie year at the one, actually. Um, I think Shaquille might have picked him his rookie year, too. But this one... Just felt different. Well, and it was over the middle of the field, too. So it was just like snatch. It was like 100 yards. Like, it just zoom, took off. Um, there was a play today with Jamal. And it, it it's really good that they don't tackle in practice. Because I know in college man. they do. Because Jamal, I forget what side of the ball he lines up on. But he comes free on a blitz mm. to Russ's, because Russ is looking to throw it to his left. Oh, okay, so he must have been right up on the right side of the line. Because Russ is looking to throw it to his left, so he didn't even really see Jamal coming. And I flinched, and I'm uh, 50 yards away, and I kind of like flinched. Like, <gasps> I got scared because I was like, he's moving so fast, and Russ didn't even see him. Oh, he would have killed him. Oh, he would have put. He you know what I'd like to hear out of, out of everything you just said? The fact that he is blitzing. The fact that the Seahawks are implementing these type of plays for him to go after the quarterback, which means week one, he might get a sack with the Seahawks. He potentially could get his opportunity. He might get a QB hit. I think they're going to blitz him week one. I think he's going to get some time playing in the box. I love to hear that. Oh, really he, he, yeah, he, he's going to get to rest the rest passer, and he's going to be good at it, man. That was – you know what? That's a good – oh, man. he's. It, there's been some plays every year – in camp, and I think last year, I think last year, maybe two years ago, it was Shaq tracking down a deep ball from uh, Rust on Doug, where I was like, "Wow!" No, maybe it was against Tyler. I think I tweeted it. I have to go find a tweet. There's been a couple players every year. Like DK's had a few. Um, Chris Carson has some. Chris Carson had one where he beat Bobby in a one on one. I was just like, "Wow!" This dude is different. There's been a couple of those every year. To be fair, it's not always the guys who end up turning out to be studs, too. Jeremy Boykins has some plays like that. No one probably knows who that is when I just said the name. Um, Keenan Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah, Keenan <laughs> Reynolds was all over the place, man. I really think he should be in the league. Um, there's been some other guys who have had some of those type of plays. Shaquem, uh, Cody, I think, picked Russ last year. Um, I'm pretty sure he did, he did. actually. Yeah, so I was there for that one. Where is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. So there's been some moments, um, and it's always like, okay, that's it. Jamal did that like today, first pre- first pads. day of pads, yeah. so which was like day five total. But like pads is when you can like that really lets you know how real he is. He's yeah. already studying. He's already he's already knowing when Russell wants to put the ball. He's he knows it. He he's getting accustomed to his tendencies. He's studying Russ, which is dope because that means he's gonna take that same energy and apply it to week one, week two, week three. Every week, hopefully, because that that man, look here. That boy was moving. Like, I really wish they should just release the tape for that one. I, I know it probably makes Russ look bad and could do a pick and practice. Because <laughs> Russ throws so many touchdowns in practice. Like, of course you're going to. Russ is great. Probably the best quarterback in the league I could make an argument for. Uh, Jamal, that was different. Yeah. And that's a good, um, a little bit of a good segue into the best beef we've had of camp so far. Yes. It's the best beef that, that we've had. Pete Carroll versus Greg. Williams and that's the DC of the Jets. I will say this: uh, How do I want to word this without getting us in trouble? Football 
actually sports in general, especially professional sports, this, this is examples of like white privilege all over the place. One of the clearest examples in the NFL, I think, is the fact that Greg Williams is employed. Like, for real. After the Bounty Gate thing, uh, I didn't think he should have got ever, jo- ever got a job again after Bounty Gate. I really don't know how he survived that. He's also just been bad at his job. <laughs> Where he goes, the defense is not good. I don't know how he's still employed by the Jets. Anyway, so Greg Williams, obviously he used to coach Jamal Adams. He gets up there, uh, looks like during a Zoom call, and you guys have all seen it, he says that, Jamal might get bored, you know, in Seattle because, you know, Seattle won't use Jamal in all the ways that New York did, you know, like lining him up as a linebacker, as a as a slot guy, corner, defensive end, they lined him up as. He just basically made the point that we're so used to moving. We use Jamal in so many different ways. Seattle's really just going to use him in one way, largely speaking. He might get bored over there, right? Chris, that didn't go well. I don't. I, I know where Greg was trying to take that, but he was just getting dunked on all over the place. And Pete Carroll's was the best. He was actually on KJR, yep. uh, which was which your people's on there, and just just flamed Greg. It was mm-hmm. some of the best stuff I've heard from Pete in a while. Like his first response was, um, it was like, "Oh, what do you think about what Greg Williams told you?" He was like, I, we, "We don't make as many mistakes as he does." It was like, <laughs> "Ooh, burn check." Um, <laughs> and then he made another joke. He was just like. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't even know if we'll get to using Jamal in all those other ways because you know our defense is so simple and so basic that you know we might not even get there. Thanks for bringing that up, though. We might take that into consideration. It's like, ooh, burn number two. Uh, and I think Softy asked him, uh, "What is Jamal bringing as a pass rusher?" <laughs> not you. And he was like, "He ain't bringing Greg Williams." <laughs> like, Greg. damn, Pete. That was just, it. Was just flame, flame, flame. Good God! He, oh, he flamed. He flamed Greg Williams, and it was funny. And I love the beef. And I hope Greg Williams responds. It's been a it's been a minute now. Well, d- defensive coordinators aren't available that often to speak, so Pete has more opportunities to flame Greg. But um, Chris, I'm gonna defend Greg Williams here for a second. Well, he made some points. He just didn't allude to them as the best way. No, c- c- yes, well, yes. Greg Williams, the sentiment has some validity. I'm going to repeat that here. I'm going to sound like a preacher. You know how a preacher says something once and then says it slow again? Like, the sentiment has validity because it does. His, what he, the sentiment is Jamal, Jamal's uh, duties will be a lot more simple in Seattle than they were in New York. That, I would actually almost go as far to say that is a fact, actually. Seattle's defense is notoriously simple, right? It's supposed to be. You know, it's simple so the guys can understand what they're doing and play faster. Yeah, they run a lot of cover three, a lot of zone. Uh, they Corners, stay on top. Don't let any deep balls go over your head. Tackle everything in front of you. Obviously, Seattle blitzes and things like that, but it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty straightforward. It's supposed to be that way. And will that mean Jamal will get bored? No. That part of it is stupid. Right, no one's gonna be bored of playing, you know, football, especially if you're winning. You know, I don't think you can get you can have ten million assignments to get bored if you're losing, <laughs> right? So I think <laughs> bored was poor choice there. But I do think it it was really easy for me to get online, honestly, and defend Greg, because it's a, the question that he was kind of proposing was something that people mentioned to me. I may have mentioned it to you too, Chris. When they traded for Jamal, it was like, is Pete going to use him the right way? It's almost the same thing with Jimmy Graham. Why trade for this piece if you're not going to use Percy Harvin. Another one. Antonio Brown. Same thing. Like, this guy is used to being used in so many ways. If you're just going to do fly swoops with him, like Percy Harvin, then I don't trust you. And I think that was a fair point by Greg to bring up. Now, bored is the wrong word. That's stupid. No one's going to get bored. If you get bored, you're going to get your head knocked off, and you're going to be on the stretcher. But to suggest that, like, what they were doing in New York and how they were using him was a lot more complex and more, a little bit more versatile and diverse than what they'll do in Seattle, I think there's something to that. What th- how many different things did Cam Chancellor do here? How many different things did Earl do? <laughs> um, and that's why I thought Cam's response to Greg was actually pretty interesting. Then T.J. Ward, another defensive back, responds to Cam, and he was like, you know, lie. Uh, Greg seems like a fun coach to play for. He got Jamal running around everywhere, Right. Cam says to him, he says, a quote, quote, when you see a lot, you see nothing. But when you see one thing, you see everything. And quote, you can focus better and maximize your potential when you have fewer things to focus on. 
Like even Cam, I know Cam eventually like dunked on Greg Williams too, and you know the board part of it. But even Cam there, I think is like adding validity to the sentiment. Yes, in Seattle, Pete has you focus simply on your job. It's like this thing. I'm gonna give you a singular task. Of course, every position has multiple things they're responsible for. Football is complex, but it's not as if Cam was lining up at def- at edge rusher and also like playing a bunch of slot and also like straight up playing man to man corner on the outside. No. He was the he was the box safety who also did some middle of the field stuff for the you know take the seams and the curls away and stuff like that like that was his that was his job yeah it was a very simple job relatively speaking and it worked won the Super Bowl <laughs> no one is saying that just simple defense is bad that's why I get why Pete kind of mocked it but like he'll tell you that his defense is supposed to be like that uh, I think Ted Wynn at the Athletic did a really good film study on why. Pete's successors, or excuse me, why Pete's defensive coordinators, like, haven't had a bunch of success when they've gone elsewhere, right? You know, he's had, what, Dan Quinn, help me out here, who, Gus Bradley, um, even Ken Norton left to go to Oakland. Came back, yeah. Robert Sala. Um, he's had a bunch of guys who, have, who haven't just, like, replicated the Legion of Boom success. Uh, Sala's doing a great job now. But the, th- the, the thing is, what Seattle runs... It's simple, but you need elite players to make it work because all they're going to do is beat the guy in front of you and it'll work, right? But if you want to get complex, or when you have lesser talent, you can't just, like, line up and play a bunch of cover three, right? Like, you just you just cannot. Who was that? Was that, was that Earl that said something similar Yeah, when he last went, year? Yeah, when he was over in Baltimore. Eric Weddle also had some comments. Yeah, I read Eric Weddle's thing, too. That was actually that, – okay, that did sound like some, some shade. Like, he didn't just accidentally bring They run the up. same defense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but it works. It's the it, job done. It works. So while I don't want to defend Greg, what did you think when you heard Greg, Chris? Almost a, pretty much the same thing you were saying. He just worded it not the best. I mean, the Seahawks do run something that is very simple. And, again, I mentioned last week that you don't bring in Jamal Adams just to run your simple stuff. This is a guy you gamble with. and you Yeah, you should mix it up. You mentioned today that you saw him, you know, if they were tackling, Russ would have been killed. Oh, it would die. Yeah. And that's – Good to see that the Seahawks are already implementing, oh, line up here, go ahead and blitz. That's good. They're not going to just, hey, just play safety and we'll, we'll we'll stick to our guns. We know how talented you are, but we don't want to mess up what we have already. Right. The Seahawks are already experimenting and testing things out, and that's why you brought him in because you are you believe and you have seen on tape that he is more than capable of just sitting up top and covering everything deep. He can come in and play the linebacker. He can come down and blow up a running back. He can guard the best tight end. These are things that the Seahawks have realized, and they went out and made a trade for him. And that's why you brought him in, to make this team better. With making the team better, you got to let him do his thing. Yeah, all over the place. All over the place. Now, it won't be the same as New York, though. No, absolutely Because their defense wasn't as good. Not good at all. It had potential, I think. Well, potential potential. is not good, Mike. Potential is is your – you need to take a few more steps to get good. They just weren't good, and that's okay. Yeah, potential. I think Wale says just potential means I haven't done anything yet or something like that. There it is. I got to look at that. I'm going to look that up. And now the Seahawks have a good player, a great player who is young, and he's ready, and he's already proving it. And I, like I said, I understand where Greg was coming from. I mean, I think he just got mixed up in the words, got a little excited, you know, trash talk, and went with it. He probably is a little salty about losing Jamal. Like I, he probably is. I think he sh- he should be. Oh uh, yeah, definitely should be because they're mean, they're really gonna suck now. <laughs> <laughs> I like B Mac, great great guy. But he's no Jamal. He's Adams. no Jamal Adams. That's he's not gonna that's fill their holes that no. they now are gonna be exposed to. I mean, you're not gonna bring Bradley McDougal in to blitz too often. You're not gonna have him guarding too many tight ends. I mean, we saw what happened against Green Bay. Well, actually, that was Lano Hill, so I can't even say that. Now, to, so I will say this in Bradley's defense is. Um, Bradley did – he was used in a lot of ways. Like, he played weak side linebacker in this defense. He played free safety well, in this defense. We're talking about the Jets, though. No, yeah, I'm saying, like, Bradley is as versatile as a Jamal, I think, minus the pass rushing probably. Well, I think you hit on it. Uh, you said if they trade for you, it doesn't mean you suck. I mean, they they see equal value at, to some extent. Yeah. They gave a few draft picks, so it's not to say that he is not good enough. He definitely is a good player, but he's not the superstar that Jamal Adams is, and that's what Russ needed. Russ went out and said, I want another superstar. Seahawks wouldn't handle the business, and they got another superstar who got a pick six, getting out of the quarterback, and this is only the first day of pass. Yeah, well, so my my, my point being that, like, Bradley did do some rushing the passer, uh, mostly as a blitzer, 
and then uh, Bradley also played a little bit of linebacker. He played in the box as a strong safety. He's even played some free safety and then has done some, like, spot duty as, like, a matchup guy against, like, tight ends. Like, Bradley, the the same prototype. Jamal is just way, way, way better at it, which is okay. It's okay. But I, I do think that, like, this defense can get creative, and I think Bradley actually was a good example of that. Uh, I think I referred to him as like their Swiss Army knife, uh, like last playoffs. I'm pretty sure I called Bradley that because he's played a little bit of everything. Like he is a really, really good player and a versatile player. Jamal is better at all of that, so they wouldn't trade it for Jamal. Like I get it. Uh, and the defense is not like totally vanilla. Like obviously you've seen like Trey Flowers had two sacks last year. I'm pretty sure didn't he have two? Yeah, he had two sacks. I think in both 49ers games, uh, Shaquille Griffin's had a sack. You know, in this in this defense, so you can mix some stuff up. But generally speaking. It's a simple scheme. A simple scheme that works. You just need good players. And I think, actually, this is we'll have this discussion maybe another show. That's part of Pete Carroll's problem, I think, is because he's always been coaching as if he's had the elite talent. Like, these last few years, like, dude, you can't just keep running the same thing if you got... The thing you're running with Earl Thomas, you can't just run when you got T2. Like, you just can't. You have to. And they did adjust a little bit last year. Like a lot more two high safety looks and stuff like that. But Pete Carroll, one of the knocks on him is that he coaches for the team that he coaches a team he wants to have, not always a team that he does have. And that's very, very, very important. And that's kind of what Jamal was, or what Greg is kind of getting at as well. It's like Pete's going to just plug you in to what's already working here. And it's like, really not. We should adjust things to what you're already good at, which Jamal is everything. And they're already doing that. And that's what you want to see? Um, and that's why uh, Greg Williams is bad at his job. That's <laughs> just, I don't I People were putting me in a position where I had to defend Greg Williams, and I was like, "Ugh, this feels so gross." But it's like I'm, if someone is right, or the has bigger some, picture he was trying to paint, yeah, it makes sense. And the pro- part of it was the messenger too. Everyone hates Greg Williams. I do too. So I was, I, I was with y'all. I just, I <laughs> wanted to, I wanted to make that point clear, especially because it was one people were asking me. Yes. Well, before we get out of here, do you want to touch on this situation we had in? Quote unquote, the hotel bubble. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, before yeah. we get to Twitter questions, you know, real quick. Yeah, the rookie kid. You're talking about rookie kid. How do you say his last name? Severin? I apologize if we're getting my man's name wrong because he does deserve to get his name right, even if he did something really stupid. The report out there is that you guys have all heard this already. So he got cut from the Seahawks because he got caught on camera trying to sneak a girl in, uh, a female visitor, into his hotel room. And apparently, reportedly, this is all from the NFL network, that the girl had. Seahawks gear on and they were trying to sneak her in as a player because it's where the players are staying uh, I think someone else added to the report that it was a hoodie so I would imagine she's had the hoodie pulled over and I do think I think Mike Vrabel the Titans coach said this he was like I hope I hope she wasn't actually built like an NFL player that was a really stupid comment I thought actually because NFL players are built all types of sizes yeah. there's some thick women out here to look great Meg the Stallion and even some skinny like you could pass a woman off as like Philip Dorsett like what the hell you Philip is tiny, he's a short, really small dude. Like y'all ever seen P. Rich? That man is. A, look, I mean, my point is that he was be, he was body shamed in a way that like I've seen Mike Vrabel. You ain't got no way to talk, brother. Anyway, so I can't go into too many details on this particular subject, but I did. I'm I'm here for the people. I put my ear to the streets on this one. There is more to it than just what NFL Network originally reported. I will. I actually will add this part of it. I th- uh, Kima has denied the report being true. I have also kind of, I don't want to put this, Chris. It's not as simple as my man was trying to get some I booty. think what you said previously, it's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's not all what it seems. It's pretty much as close as we're going to get to it. Until yeah. someone else comes out and says, or until he speaks up about it, if he even it doesn't does. It necessarily have to be him. I want to get to a point where it's like more concrete. Because I did put my ear to the streets on this one. Because one, I figured the girl was local. Well, and how she concrete is. Kid does it need to be if he speaks on it? When he says it, it's concrete. That's, that's true. Or, or the girl. If he peeps something, you should feel comfortable saying whatever else. That's true. Yeah, but he has denied the, the report. I think his his agent said no comment. The girl, oh, there was that viral picture of some some white girl. <laughs> it was just like, oh, he he risked it all for for this. That that woman, I can confirm that it is not her. Uh, so that viral picture you guys see, um, that that is not the girl. Uh, I don't necessarily have. I can't tell who the girl is, but that that ain't her. <laughs> that ain't it. <laughs> and it I, it was not as simple as my man just was like, hey, slide through. I need some butt. It was just it was, a little I, more can details. I, can I say that on here? I already said it. Uh, yeah, butt's fine. Yeah. 
He didn't. He I didn't. might put a beep in. I'll just leave it like this. Nah, because then like I said something I didn't say. But it's fine. It, it wasn't as simple <laughs> as my man was trying to get his 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 thing going. Uh, it it was not. It was there's a lot more to the situation. I mean, it's still let's say be clear. It's hilarious still. Yeah, I don't because know what he was thinking. You gotta know the rules, brother. You should no, be up no. there playing. He knows the rules. You gotta follow the rules. There you go. That's, you're yeah. right. He, he should be up there playing Call of Duty or whatever. What's the Warzone one? Do you play the Warzone I game? I do not. What's, what game is that? You said it. Call of Duty Warzone. It's called, right. Oh, that's a Call of Duty game? You're okay. Good. I don't do the shooting games, uh, but I do the sports games. Whatever. He should be up there in his room playing Madden or Warzone or whatever. Spades. I don't give a damn. He could be playing little iPhone games or playing pool. Don't matter. Watch some tape. Watch that's Netflix. Study on your iPad. Watch some porn. I don't care what you're doing. FaceTime your mama. The last thing you should be doing is trying to get anybody up to your room or have any type of visitor connected to you at all. Because at the end of the day, sure, there's more to it, but there ain't much more to the fact that you were trying to have, like, a guest came there saying, hey, I'm here for you. That's a problem. problem that got is. you out the league. Because, Chris, you've seen us do stats. That was somebody who wasn't necessarily going to stick around anyway, right? Like you needed yeah. these reps. You needed some coaching staff to be high on you. So even if maybe you did get cut, if if the Jets or somebody or the Falcons or whatever call, like, oh, you, hey, hey, you guys, uh, we might pick up Kima. What you guys see in camp? Oh, no, no, yeah, good kid, blah, 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 good at this, bad at this. We couldn't keep him around because of the numbers, right? Like, That's then, perfect. You, then you get a shot, right? You exactly. get on the practice squad. You still have a career. Now you have nothing. And, Chris, how do you think that convo went with his family? Like when he gets cut. Like when he says, like, Mom, I gotta come back. What'd or, you do, baby? He got lie, right? He can't tell the truth. <laughs> think he told the truth? It's all over the media. But it wasn't right away. The the story the, the Tom Palacero's report didn't come out till Thursday. He got cut on Tuesday. Well, so he could have told if, him if, whatever. If you're smart, you tell the truth. You don't lie because you don't think it's gonna get out. I would have never thought that those specifics were gonna get out because the I think those would have had to have come from the team. If I'm going like, to put my journalist hat on. When I was reading the reports, I was like, why would anyone in the team leak this? This is mean. right? Like, why would? Because his agent has nothing to gain from leaking that. That makes his client look bad. right? Yeah. It makes it harder for his client to well, get a job. Well, they want to send a message. So that's why I assumed it wasn't his, his agent that leaked that. The Seahawks was not playing. So, and even if someone else in like, the hotel or somebody leaked it, the team would still have to confirm it before someone at the NFL the Network. I think the want to send a message more than anything. But see, that's the thing. That's why I thought it was kind of messed up that even cut him. Because it was like, you can easily just embarrass him in front of the team, make an example of him there, and be like, hey, if you idiots do anything like this, but we will cut you, um, and then it's just done. You don't have to, like, what like, what, what did they benefit from me and you knowing that? But to your point, he wasn't even, he was undrafted. They're sending a message to all undrafted cats. Like, this is an opportunity, and you're going to screw it up. I mean, these are the things you got to think about. Like, you are on the cusp of playing for a roster spot, let alone... You're already at the bottom because you're undrafted, so you're not supposed to make the team. Right. I mean, the and he didn't have a great college career. Either. I mean, the, but I mean, I get where you're coming from from a human to human standpoint. But at what point are you going to realize, like, damn, I had a really cool opportunity to do something that not too many people get a chance to do? And that's, I think, that's the point the Seahawks are trying to make. And that's not to just him; that's to other undrafted rookies. Like, yo, the Seahawks did him like that. I mean, to your point, yeah, they could have easily just cut him. No, or not even cut him. Like keep him on the team. No, but and I just like send the message, like, "Hey, you see what this guy tried to do? You know, you, like if they do have video, play it on the play it in the meeting room. Like, look, here's this here's this fool trying to do this. If y'all do anything like this, it's it's it's, it's curtains for but you. I don't real, care who you are. But also, I forgot to even mention this. It's COVID. It's not safe to even do things like that. Well, yeah, you can get someone sick. I mean, someone could possibly die because of your actions. That is another reason why I think the Seahawks took it this far. Well, see, that's the other thing. I don't think I think only an undrafted guy would have gotten cut. Like I don't think if Jordan Brooks did this, he'd have got cut. Probably not. He's Jordan Brooks, first round pick. I don't even think a St- Stephon Sullivan would have did it. Seventh rounder, he would have got cut. I don't think anybody would have got cut, but the undrafted dudes well, there. That's which, a message to all undrafted players out there. Take it serious. You yeah. have an opportunity that not a lot of people are getting. Yeah, so at the very least, like, it's still a funny story. I don't think we should do the body shame and think about what size an NFL player is or what size a woman could be like. It's some. I also think people who say that don't see enough players' wives. Like, I've seen some players' wives. They ain't all, you know, they ain't all I'll just put it that way. Uh, ain't all what you guys think, I would necessarily guess. So I don't want to do that. It's funny, though, that at the, at the very least, you can laugh at this dude, really. His decision-making ain't great. It's not. It's it's not. It's, it's not great. And it's it, unfortunate. It really is. Uh, for him, yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna be fine. You fine? I'm living. 
the best I can. Now. Yeah, I'm no, I'm, I'm good too. I uh, just feel bad for him. Uh, yeah, no, I do because yeah, that's done. I really wish I could be a fly on the wall for that conversation between um, two conversations. I wish I was there for. It was the um, the first one where the team lets him know he's on video, right? Like where they like yo, Kima, come here, watch this screen right here. This you? Is this his coach? Oh, okay. Son, we're gonna need your playbook, <laughs> and that's it. And you, and you got opportunity gone like that. But we got Twitter questions. So, Mike, before we get out of here, let's get to this quickly. Our first question comes from Robert Kim at Rob Kim with three M's. Do you see, or excuse me, do you think it's possible next season we could see Jordan Brooks, BBK, and Cody Barton starting linebackers? And if they ball out, are they automatically called the Killer Bees? Um. No, because I I don't I really think Bobby still got multiple years of good football left in him. So Bobby's still gonna be there. After that, though, we could see a lineup of like Bobby and Jordan Brooks, with maybe Cody. Maybe Cody is like a strong side guy. I'm not entirely sure there, but I feel like we could see because Cody is really good. So we could see like a Bobby and Brooks thing. I think you still go with Killer Bees, Bobby and Brooks. That sounds a law firm. Um, or a cartoon show I like that I don't know but I, I feel like people are just people don't just because you have someone young does not mean they're better than your your vet dude man these young guys be out here making mistakes you can't make mistakes um, so no I don't think they're getting rid of Bobby but the other options there could work I don't know if Jordan or Cody will ultimately play a, a bunch of strong side they could though they could alright next up we got campaigning for a single MVP vote for Russell Wilson at Elliot Greeson underscore Greeson. We are talking about the O line. So the first question is: Do you think the Seahawks expect another big move from Schneider? No, probably a big move. Probably not. Not unless an injury happens. Um, no, I don't. I don't, I don't see a big move. I mean, they traded for Jamal Adams, man. I mean, it's about as big as it's gonna get. You around, that one out around too. here. Yeah, no, that that that's the uh, well. Would, would signing Josh be considered big? No, I think he's just a good piece. That the yeah, they pro- to have. I think Clay Matthews would be as big as it gets. I don't think that's big. Clay Matthews is not a big move either. So I think the biggest you're going to get is is Gordon or um, Clay Matthews. I think that's really – I don't even think I'd consider, like, uh, what's my man's name? Uh, the big de- defensive tackle, uh, Snacks or whatever. Oh, I don't even Harrison. think I'd consider that big. I don't think there'll be another big move. Once you trade two first-round picks, you're kind of out on big moves, <laughs> to, to be honest. All right. Tyler DeFries at Tyler DeFries. Is interior defensive line set, or will they add someone else? Love the show. Appreciate the love, man. Okay, this has actually been a funny like subplot of the season. Everyone is really, 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 really into the idea that they need another defensive tackle, which is fine. But I think people are not getting, like, you guys are really clamoring for, like, a backup three-tech. <laughs> That dude ain't gonna play that much, man. Like, it, it it probably does matter, and that probably is something they should add, especially because Demarcus Christmas is hurt right now. Um, but you're looking at a dude who might play twenty percent of the snaps or something like that. Like the Al Woods role, um, I just don't. There's not a ton of like need for it. I think it'll happen, but I don't think it's urgent. Um, yeah, I, I think they will add someone. They just did. They added some dude named PJ Johnson. I don't know who that is, but they signed him. I was really confused. Real quick, this is really confusing. Quentin Dunbar had to, sh- when he showed up um, for the commissioner exemplus, he had to pass like three COVID tests before he could get on the field. This PJ dude practiced today. He just got here, for real. I- how many COVID tests did he pass? Like, I'm, I'm very serious, but I have no idea how he was able to get on the field and practice in 11 on 11 today. He just got here, like today, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he was on the waiver wire. Um, no, signed as a free agent. Got here today, practiced today. Quentin Dunbar ain't done nothing. He's been here a week. It was very weird. Uh, but no, I, 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 it's not set necessarily, but I don't. I think everyone expects there to be like some game changer here. I don't think there'll be some game change. There's no game changers left in August. Well, excuse me, Clowney's still there. But like low-cost game changers? No, ain't, ain't none of that out there. Whoever they sign now is going to be a backup. There's no starters to be signed right now. Our last question comes from at Boom Shakamawi. He has two. The first one is, do you think the Seahawks will make a play on a hurt Gerald McCoy? And then who will lead the Seahawks in interceptions? What happened to Gerald McCoy? Torres ACL. 
Oh, then no. Wait, <laughs> wait, he's out for the year then, right? He actually even said that. Do you think the Seals will make a play on a hurt Joe McCoy? I didn't know how hurt he was. I thought it was like... I would say no, too. He tore his ACL? Mm-hmm. Damn, that sucked. Oh, he was on the Cowboys. Okay. I, they, did, I think the Cowboys sorry, actually just released him, too. I did see that. I did see that. Okay, sorry. I, I, I was not sure. I didn't know that's what it was. Yeah. I, I knew he. I, I read that he went down in practice. Wow, a torn ACL? No, no, not now. Maybe twenty twenty one. But even then, when will he be back? Like OTAs, maybe. If even then. Yeah, that OTAs is about nine months from now. Maybe ten. So he could potentially be back by then. But yeah, no, that's that's not, a potential. That, that sucks. <laughs> How old is Jerry McCoy too? That's he's up there in age. I think he's thirty. Ah, oh, he still got some time. But yeah, no, that's. I think yeah, actually, he could be a guy they sign around like. After OTH or something like that For like I nothing lied. He's 32 Yeah if he still wants to play Then yeah I'm sure Maybe next like summer But no Not right now That's just, just a waste of time uh, What was the second question? Who will lead The team in interceptions? Ooh Oh I'm gonna go With Quandre well, my That was actually A really tough question Because I, I don't know If it'll be Shaq uh, That is a good question though We should pose that To everyone else I'm a, actually, I'm going to tweet that. I'm going to tweet that question and see what they think. Yeah. That, that's the last one? That's it, man. We want to thank everybody for tuning in for another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. Appreciate all the questions out there. Actually, before we get out of here, hot take real quick. Oh, damn it. Mm-hmm. I always catch you like this. This is good. Someone's going to get double-digit sacks mm. on this team. Now, that's a hot take, and I love it because that means if someone gets double-digit sacks, that secondary is going to be back there chilling. <laughs> yeah, I think someone. I think someone will. Okay. Nice. Look at that. You came with that real quick, man. Uh, yeah. I was. I was. I'm not bad at the hot takes. Okay. Anything else you want to add? No, no. That was. I'm done adding stuff now. It was hot. That's <laughs> a hot take. We'll catch y'all later. We out.